0: I believe that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that I can ask or even think. But then sometimes God doesn't even do the things that I ask. Now how do I, as a believer, as someone who sees the power of God and believes the power of God, how do I reconcile those two things? As we studied in our Bible class this morning, how do I reconcile the miraculous deliverance of Peter by God's angel in Acts chapter 12, with God allowing the beheading of the Apostle James in the same chapter, especially as it relates to my own personal prayer life. Well, this evening I want to follow up on something we studied in Bible class this this morning and talk about the kind of prayers that God always answers. Um, If you've heard me preach basically at all over the last number of years, you know that I'm a big acknowledge the exceptions kind of guy. Now, I'm going to tell you the rule, but if there are exceptions to that rule, whether biblically or otherwise, I want you to know about the exceptions um, so that you're prepared for them when they come along. So, So let me say this, and know that I don't say it lightly. I am presenting this tonight with no exceptions, that there are some prayers that we pray that God always answers. Is that interesting to you? Uh, it is to me, and I believe that our our Bible tells us what kinds of prayers those are. And I would suggest from a certain perspective that every single prayer that I pray as a Christian, God does answer, and he answers yes. So let's consider that for just a few moments this evening. If we want to think about the prayers that God will always answer, the the prayers that that are always answered by God, well, consider a few things from our biblical text. Prayers that are, first of all, by faithful Christians are the kinds of prayers that God answers. If you are not in a right relationship with God, let me say this as kindly and as clearly as I can, do not expect your prayers to be answered. Because that is a promise that is only for those who are in that right relationship with him. And we see this concept expressed in both the positive and the negative sense throughout Scripture. That God does not hear or answer the prayers of the faithful, that God does answer the prayers, uh, that he answers the prayers of the faithful and does not hear or answer the prayers of the unfaithful. Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2 is a good example of this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So God was not hearing the prayers even of his people here in the Old Testament because of their sins and iniquities that had separated them from God. Now, let me address. Obviously, there's a sense in which God hears every prayer. God hears every word. God knows every thought that that is thought by all kinds of people. But when we're talking about hearing prayers, I mean in the sense that God hears with the intent to answer that prayer. And God is unwilling to hear and answer the prayers of those who are separated from Him by their sin. If you're a Christian... And you think to yourself, well, it just doesn't seem like my prayers are getting through. Maybe a good question that we should ask ourselves is, is there sin in my life that I need to make right so that God will hear and answer these prayers? Is there a separation between me and God? Now, obviously, God can hear and answer whatever prayers He wants to. And certainly, there are occasions where God has heard the prayers of those who are not yet in a right relationship with Him. But we do not have this promise unless we are faithful Christians. If you have your Bible with you, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, if you would, 1 Peter chapter 3. I think we see another example of this in verses 10 through 12. Peter here quotes from Psalm 34 in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. And notice what Peter says as he quotes from the psalmist. For he who would love Life and see good days. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But here's the contrast. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. It's not just a matter that God doesn't even hear the prayers. It's that His face and His will is against those who do evil. What does that look like? What does that look like in a practical way? Well, I think we actually have an example of that earlier in the chapter. If you go back up to verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 3, look there in verse 7. Husbands, sit up if you're a husband and listen, likewise dwell with them, that is your wives, with understanding giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered and so an easy application is if i'm not doing what i ought to be doing as a husband in regard to the way i'm treating my wife in the way that i'm loving my wife that i'm dwelling my, with my wife in an understanding way i should not expect that my prayers are going to be answered by god And so I need to make sure that I'm doing everything within my power to make my life right with God so that then my prayers might be heard by Him. And so prayers that are going to be answered by God, beginning have to be those who are faithful Christians. And when one is separated from God and refuses to listen to Him, then God will refuse to listen as well. Proverbs 28 and verse 9 puts it this way, "...one who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination." And that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Uh, our communication with God is two-way, right? That we go to God in prayer, we speak to God in prayer, and God speaks to us in return. How does God speak to us? Through His Word. And so if I hear and see God's Word and say, nah, you know what, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to listen to what God has to say, then, then why should God listen to what I have to say to Him? Um, We have that kind of experience with people. Have you ever been around somebody that they talk and talk and talk and talk and they never want to listen, ever? Does it make you want to listen to them? No. And so if we're unwilling to listen to God as to how it is we're supposed to be living our lives, we should not expect Him to listen to us in return. Now, all of those are kind of negative as we think about that, but it's true in the positive sense as well. Turn to 1 John chapter 3, if you would. 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter 3 and verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because he, we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Now, we're going to talk about the provisos that go with that a little more as we go on in our lesson, but I want you to think about how awesome that is. That the things that we ask for from God, we have confidence that we're going to receive from Him if we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Uh, And that's really why we pray in Jesus' name, if you think about it. I have a right to be here. I have a right for God to hear and answer my prayer because I have this relationship with Jesus Christ. God is my mediator. He gets my prayer heard. And it is on the basis that I am a faithful Christian, Christian that I am following after Jesus and have this relationship with him, that I am promised and assured that God will hear my prayer. And so prayers that are by faithful Christians, first of all, but secondly, prayers that are by faithful Christians that are prayed. Ah, that's silly, isn't it? And yet, how true is this idea that sometimes we are not given an answer by God in prayer because we never go to him in prayer to begin with? James chapter 4 and verse 2, you know that this is one of the verses that is kind of a, a theme verse in, in my family. You do not have because you do not ask. If you want something in this life, a lot of times what you need to do is ask for that thing. And if we desire something from God, we should ask. Uh, we sing a song sometimes, Did You Think to Pray? Uh, remember that song? We don't sing it a whole lot anymore, I don't think, but... Um, is that something we sang here? I don't even know. I, I remember singing that all the time when I was a little kid. I think it was in Sacred Selections. Did you think to pray? And, and if you remember, that song goes through all these things that happen. you know, ere you left your bed this morning, and then it goes through some kind of horrible things that happen in your life, and all these bad things are happening to you. Did you think to pray? And I remember when I was just a little kid, I remember having the thought to myself, what a stupid song. And I wasn't allowed to say stupid, so I didn't say that out loud. But that's what I was thinking to myself. This song is just dumb. Like, like, who would go through all of these terrible things and not think to pray? I mean, that's like step one, right? Then I got a little older. I got a little more control, or at least perceived control over my own life. I got a little busier. I got a little more responsibilities. And there have been times in my life where people of wisdom have come to me and said, have you prayed about that? And I'm like, dummy, how have I not thought to pray? And so when we have these moments in our life, if we want God to answer our prayer, a good thing for us to do is is pray, is to go to God in prayer. And we need to to ask Him, not just as a one-time thing, of course. The idea of asking in our New Testaments is the idea of being persistent and constant in that prayer, of praying without ceasing. The image that Jesus uses in Luke chapter 11, if you want to turn back there, Jesus has several parables about prayer in the Gospel of Luke. And if you look at this one in Luke chapter 11, the image He uses is of a friend who comes and knocks on the door in the middle of the night. So Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 5. Luke chapter 11 and verse 5. Notice with me. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Now why this person needs bread at midnight, I do not know. How many times has somebody maybe called or texted you or whatever at midnight and you say, could this not wait until the morning? Well, that's kind of the attitude of this person here. For a friend of mine has come to me on this journey and I have nothing to set before him. Well, come back in the morning and I'll give you something. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and more importantly, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Now, if anybody in here has ever had an infant that did not sleep and you got desperate enough to put it in the bed with you, um, when we went home from the hospital, that was like number one sin. No, well, number one was don't shake the baby. Number two is don't let the baby sleep with you. And then after nights and nights and nights of sleeplessness, you know what? The baby ends up in bed with you, right? And, and somebody comes and knocks on the door and you say, what are you doing? This child is finally asleep. How dare you interrupt me right now? I feel for the guy, right? Right? And yet, what does Jesus say about it? I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And you can almost imagine, here, how many loaves of bread do you need? Just take it and go. Whatever, it, whatever you need, I'm going to give you, right? Now, obviously, God is our friend, but he is much more than that. God is always available. God is always there. God is always ready and willing to answer. But what God desires from us is this same kind of persistence in prayer, that this is important enough to me to not just ask one time. We do that with our children, right? They come and ask for something, we don't really want to give it to them, and so what do we do? We just kind of punt and say, well, maybe they'll forget about it. And maybe sometimes that's the way it is here in our prayers to God, that we pray for something, but we're not persistent about it. God says, well, it must not be that important to us. And so what does Jesus say as He makes application, verse 9? So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Maybe your translation says, and this is the more accurate way of translating this, you keep on asking, you keep on seeking, you keep on knocking in the present imperative tense. That this is continuous action where we are asking, we are praying, yes, and we are praying persistently. Another parable that leads into our next point is found over in Luke chapter 18. If you want to turn over there, Luke chapter 18. This is one that we've looked at before of this persistent widow. And Jesus tells this parable so that people would always pray and not lose heart. And he gives this parable of this widow who comes to the unjust judge and finally because she comes over and over and over, because of her persistence, he ultimately gives her the thing that she is asking for. And notice what Jesus says in making application in verse 6. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect to cry out day and night to him though he bears long with them? That's a question. Yes or no? God will. I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on the earth? Our prayer is a direct reflection of our faith. That I believe that God can and will answer, and so I go to the one who can actually help with the problem that I have. So prayers that are by faithful Christians that are prayed... And this kind of faith and confidence are what we are talking about. We see the same thing in the book of James in the first chapter. If you want to turn over there, James chapter 1. Uh, We're really looking at verses 5 through 8, but let's go all the way back to verse 2 and read together. James chapter 1 beginning in verse 2. James likely the brother of Jesus, the James that we studied about in Acts chapter 12, not the one who was killed, but the one that Peter said, go tell James and the brothers. James says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. God promises. We ask for wisdom, he will give it if... If we ask in faith with no doubting. In the context of the book of James, what does that look like? Faith with no doubting. We remember, of course, that James famously says a couple of times in in the second chapter that faith without works is dead, right? So faith, if it does not have works, is not really faith at all. It's not biblical faith. So what does that look like in regard to these prayers that we submit to God? Well... Asking God in faith would include doing the things that God commands to receive the things that we ask for. Even here in this chapter, when we think about asking God for wisdom, there are things in this chapter that God says give us wisdom. He spends a whole long section, beginning in verse 17, God giving good gifts, including His Word, 21 through 27, talking about the Word of God. And if you want wisdom, you go to the Word of God and you can receive wisdom from God. So if we're asking in faith, that means I don't just ask and do nothing. It means that I go to God's Word and seek that wisdom. We read this whole thing about that you can be complete, lacking nothing, if you learn from these trials that produce patience in you. And if any of you lacks wisdom, is the very next thing that he says. And so we learn from our mistakes and the mistakes of others. We get that wisdom by faith. And it's funny to me that James very pointedly says, if any of you lacks wisdom. Um, I've always been less bold than that, you know. I would say, if any of us lacks wisdom. And that's not what James says. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom. Why? Because James has wisdom. And he is giving that wisdom to them. And so by faith, if we want to have wisdom, we should go to people who have wisdom and seek that wisdom. And so our prayer to God saying, I, I want this thing by faith, means that we should work in the way that God directs in order to receive the things that He is promising to us. Okay, so maybe you check all of those boxes. You're a faithful Christian, you pray to God, and it's not a one-time asking thing, but you're praying fervently, and you're praying in faith and confidence, including doing the things that God requires of you by faith for the things for which you're asking. May I suggest that there is a missing piece to this that is incredibly important. Prayers that are by faithful Christians prayed in faith and confidence according to His will will always be answered by God. Turn, if you would, to to 1 John chapter 14. We we read this uh, this morning in our Bible class, and I promised you that we were going to come back to it tonight, so I'm fulfilling my promise, I guess. 1 John chapter 5. And verse 14, notice, very similar to what we, we read earlier in 1 John three twenty two. In fact, there's another verse in 1 John that is sort of close to this same idea. But John says this, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Now again, as I said this morning, some people believe that this is just pertaining to the apostles. I personally think that this applies to all Christians, as does that similar promise back there in 1 John 3.22 that we read a moment ago. And this should remind us to pray in faith and confidence and pray according to his will. That's the key phrase here in these verses. Obviously, we should never pray in ignorance or greed or with evil motives. The rest of what we quoted earlier from James chapter 4, where you do not have because you do not ask, well, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. You ask amiss, I think the old King James says, to spend it on your pleasures or on your passions. We should never pray for things that are outside of God's will, of course. But the confidence that God will hear our prayers should motivate us to pray. The text says that God will grant us the request that we asked from Him. And often the prayer is not answered in the particular way we expected or desired, but we have given that petition over to God for Him to do what is best for us and everyone else spiritually. According to His will, that should be our prayer And while we make our petitions, our will known to God, we should always pray, not my will, but thy will be done. Why? Because his will is always better than our will. And if we pray for God's will to be done in our lives while walking in faith, it will be done. That is a promise, an assurance from God. One writer said this, Woods in his commentary said, The Father sometimes says yes by saying no. That is, He answers a prayer for our good by denying the petition made, but by supplying, in His wisdom, our needs otherwise. That is, in a better way, that God gives us more than even what it is that we ask for. And that's helpful to our thinking, but I think it is more correct to say That God always answers yes to the prayer, not my will but your will be done. And it is helpful to me. I I told some young people out on the portico um, here this morning. I said, every prayer that I pray, God answers yes. Because every prayer that I pray, I pray not my will but yours be done. And I believe that God is going to do His will. I'm amazed that I have any say in that at all. I'm amazed that I can give my petitions to God and say, God, this is what I think from my very narrow, very limited perspective, looking through the pinhole of everything that is going on in the world, this is what I think should happen. And God considers that. And all things being equal, God is going to do that. But God sees so much more and knows so much more. And my prayers influence what His will will be, but I want His will to be done, not my own. And and regardless of the semantics of God answering no sometimes or always answering yes, the attitude with which we pray should always be what is according to His will if we want God's answers. And, And honestly, think about it. I mean, doesn't it just make sense to pray that way? Does it make any sense at all to go to God in prayer, to go to the supreme being of all the universe, the one who made all things, by whose words all things consist and continue, that he upholds the very life that we live in this very moment. Through him we live and we move and we have our very being, and we go to that God and we say, God, this is what you ought to do. I mean, not my business, but this is what you ought to do. I mean, does that make any sense? Or does it make sense to go to God and say, God, from my little aunt's perspective, this is what I think. But not my will, but yours be done. And then the God of the universe hears and answers and works in my life. It's mind-blowing. That we have that power granted to us by God in prayer. Giving up that control is hard. I know. I know. But God is truly the only one with whom I feel 100% comfortable giving up my will for His. Even if I don't see it. Even if I don't understand. I trust. So what does a prayer not according to the will of God look like? Well, he actually gives us an example right here in this passage. If you keep reading verses 16 and 17. If anyone sees a brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life. God will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. Now, there is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. So two categories here, the sin not leading to death in the context of 1 John is those sins that we didn't set out to commit. We're not sinning willfully and intentionally and habitually, and we repent. We ask God, we confess and repent and ask God to forgive us of those sins. And he says, Pray for that, and God will forgive this one who has an attitude desiring to repent. But... Don't even pray for someone sinning this sin leading to spiritual death. That is, I know this is wrong. I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to keep on doing it and I'm not going to repent. He says, don't even pray for that because that's outside of the will of God. Don't ask God to change His character and forgive That kind of attitude. Now, we can pray for that person. We can pray that their heart will change. We can pray that God will bring them to the point that they see their sin and confess that sin and repent of that sin. We can pray that God would put us in opportunities with that person, that we might help them to realize those things, that we can be salt and light. God, may your will be done in my life to help them. We can pray for all those things. But I should not pray outside of God's will that God would forgive the unrepentant in that way. And so, my desire is that God's will be done. Now, I'm at a point in my life where I desire God's will to be done over my own most of the time. He knows better than I do. And uh, though, you know, some would accuse me of thinking I'm always right... uh, I'll leave it at that. I know that I'm not always right. And that I don't always see everything. And I'm reminded of this quote I ran across a number of years ago from Alec Motyer. He puts it this way. If it were the case that whatever we ask, God was pledged to give. Now that's that's some preachers, so-called right name it and claim it if you say god give me this and you ask in it with enough faith god has to give you that as if it's some sort of test in that way but think about that if it were the case that whatever i asked for god has to give me if that's what these verses were saying then i for one he says would never pray again <laughs> because i would not have sufficient confidence in my own wisdom to ask god for anything So have faith that God knows what is best. And hindsight is often 20-20. Remember those times in your life when you look back on it now and what you wanted in that moment so desperately and prayed for you didn't receive and it turned out that was the best thing in the world for you or for somebody else or for God's kingdom. And you just have to live long enough and there will be a day when you fall to your knees and thank God for saying, you know, I'm not going to do that. I've got something else in mind because he knows better. So we think about it. Prayers that are by faithful Christians, prayed in faith and confidence according to his will, asking for good things. This is the last, fifth, and final thing. Will always be answered by God. The things that God calls good. Uh, One more passage. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. Matthew chapter 7. This is very similar to what we read earlier in Luke's uh, gospel. But notice what uh, Matthew says of what the Lord said. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. But then notice the examples that he gives. Verse 9. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil compared to God, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? We should ask God for good things. We should ask God for godly And sometimes we're, from our limited perspective, unable to tell the difference between a fish and a snake, a, a bread and a stone in the moment. And sometimes things that appear to be curses can be blessings, and things that appear to be blessings can be curses. So what is good? Well, the things that are good are the things that Jesus has talked about earlier in this Sermon on the Mount where these things are recorded Things of eternal significance are the good things that we should be asking for. Uh, I Google searched uh, prayers God always answers, and there's lots of lists. You know, the Internet's full of lists. I I should have asked the AI for this. The AI would have given me a list of prayers God always answers. And it's funny. Three things, seven things, ten things. Most of them were just kind of random lists of spiritual-sounding things. Some of the things on the list I'd read and I'd think to myself, where'd you come up with that? I don't find that in my Bible. How do we look for those good things? What are the things that God says he will give to Christians who ask in faith and confidence according to his will? Well, this is the start of a list. God says he'll give us wisdom. That's a good thing if we ask for it. Forgiveness for the repentant, myself and others. Peace for today. Hope for tomorrow. God to fulfill His promises, God to avenge us, opportunities to proclaim the gospel, boldness in proclaiming the gospel, our daily necessities in life, reward in heaven for faithfulness. The things that are good are the things that I should should see in God's Word that says these are the things that life should include for those who are faithful Christians. And those are the things that I should be praying for in my life and the lives of others. So, what kind of prayers does God always answer? Well, prayers that are by faithful Christians prayed in faith and confidence according to His will, asking for good things, will always be answered by God. And you say, Reagan, you took a very simple concept and made it very complicated. That's just the opposite of what I'm trying to do, and since nobody laughed at that, you're probably thinking, yeah, that's exactly what happened. That seems like a lot of conditions, doesn't it? A lot of provisos, a lot of hoops you've got to jump through to be assured that God is going to answer your prayer. To which I say, of course. I mean, what did you expect? I mean, we're talking about accessing the greatest power in or out of our universe capable of doing exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we can ask or even think. And that is not a power to be handled lightly or just given to just anyone who wants to have it in order to fulfill their own personal wants and desires. Amen? You know, it's an election year, so let me get political for a moment. No, not really. Uh, I think back to the last election cycle, and in that election cycle, people talked a lot about the nuclear codes. Remember this? Do we really want this person or that person to have the nuclear codes? And they talked about temperament, and they talked about the age of the person, and whether they were senile or not uh, in regard to the people who were running. And now, four years later, the same two people are running, and I can only imagine what they're going to say this year. Do we really want this person or this person to have the nuclear codes, to have their very finger on the button, is the way they would put it, right? Well, I mean, we do want to kind of be careful about that, right? I mean, we want to make sure if somebody has that kind of power that it's the right kind of person. And we do that about all sorts of things in this life. Before we allow somebody to drive, they at least have to jump through a few hoops in order to get a license. They're supposed to, at least. To carry a gun, at least a concealed carry, even in the state of Texas, you've got to get a license. To practice medicine, well, I kind of want my doctor to be licensed. With this kind of power comes responsibility. And I don't know about you, but I look at this list and that's the kind of person I want praying for me. That's the kind of person that I want God answering their prayer. Because that's the kind of person whose prayer will avail much. Because they're going to pray for the right things, in the right way, with the right attitude. And God will hear and answer. And I pray. I pray that I might be one of those people as well. That God will hear and answer my prayer according to His will. That He will always answer. Because I am striving always to pray like this if you're here this evening um, or if you're joining us online we're grateful for your presence there are some who are visiting with us we're we're so glad that everyone's here tonight and, and I don't know the background of everyone but but I do notice that there's not a prayer at least that I can find in my Bible that is always answered by God the so-called sinners prayer is not up there because I don't find that prayer in my Bible God desires to have a relationship with you first and then He will hear and answer your prayer. And that means that if we're praying according to His will, we must first submit ourselves to that will and come to God in humble submission saying, whatever it is you desire of me to do in order to be saved, that I will do. And I believe in reading my Bible what God requires is for us to repent of our sins, to confess Jesus as the Christ and to be baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins, that we might rise to walk in newness of life, becoming the kind of people who are promised that God will hear and answer our prayer. If we can help you with that, even this evening, or if there's something in your life that you need, need someone to pray for you, there are wonderful people in this room who fit this exact criteria, and we will pray for you, we'll pray with you. All you have to do is come now, while together we stand, and while we sing. I am a